Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestonenzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe, so we can help you master the art of selling. Welcome to another episode of the Sales IQ Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestonenzi, and as always, I'm pumped, honored, and excited that you have joined us for what will be a fantastic episode. This week, we're joined by Kevin Dixon from the UK. Kevin is the founder of Boxstep, a sales enablement platform that helps sellers engage and manage the complex sales in a much more easier process. So it's a really cool sales enablement platform. But why do we decide to talk to Kevin and, and, and why is this conversation such a great conversation to have? Because Kevin has led a number of different enterprise-based sales teams across a variety of different industries. And over that time, has seen a number of opportunities and challenges present themselves to him. And that's what helped, you know, that's what inspired him to, to build his own sales enablement platform. So this is going to be a great episode and one which there's a lot of gold nuggets in for every sales professional out there. And we're going to talk about what does selling mean to Kevin, you know, what are some of the strategies that he's employed, and what does sales enablement mean to him. But before we get into today's episode, guys, keep sending those messages of love. I'm, I love it. You know, I'm really enjoying the fan mail. Let's call it that fan mail. I'm getting fan mail, which is insane. Um, really enjoy the feedback that I'm getting from you guys about the episode and, and, and the impact that the, this podcast is having on you. So keep swinging that across to us. Um, also, really enjoy the feedback of where we can improve and, and what are some of the topics that you want to be hearing. And we've got some incredible guests coming in the next couple of weeks based on your feedback. So don't forget, please rate us, like us, share us wherever you're listening to podcasts. So guys, without further wait, want to welcome Kevin Dixon to the show. All right. So um, yeah, welcome to the show, mate. Fabulous. Thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome, man. Awesome. So, you know, obviously, uh, we've done your introduction, but for our listeners who don't know a bit about you, they've probably heard that accent and says, well, you know, who is this guy? Where is he from? Can you be able to share with us, you know, what part of the world uh, do you hail from, mate? Tropical part of England, south of England. <laughs> Tropical part of England. And what's the weather there at the moment? We, we oh, don't. Don't you know? You should never ask an English person about the weather because we never stop going on about it. Because normally we're disappointed, and yeah. t- today's no different. <laughs> oh, fantastic! So, mate, I'm really excited about today's episode. Um, you know, going to dive deep into the other side of of sales enablement. We're going to talk about buyer enablement, which is an interesting topic, and I, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are probably thinking. What is buyer enablement? So we're going to define that in a moment. But before we get into the session, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you started in the world of sales. Okay. So for some of your listeners, I am what you would call a dinosaur. <laughs> um, we hear that term. What I mean by it, you know, is I've been in sales an awful long time. And, you know, I started back in the 80s. The 80s. You know, that's a long time ago when you yeah. think about it. But um, I got into selling with uh, Ericsson. Um, okay. And this was, most people think of Ericsson as mobile phones, et cetera. But this is, yep. <laughs> remember the 80s, that was before mobile phones. <laughs> so they used to do sort of network infrastructure for the server, you know, the, the big carriers, et cetera, as well as yep. big enterprises. And and in those days, I was I was a rare thing in terms of sales. I was like uh, this trainee. Now, the reason I say it was a rare thing in those days, the, 
average sales guy then was about 55, which is my age now. Yeah. You know, and their, they were pretty formal. Their idea of relaxing would be to take a tie off and put a cravat on. <laughs> and I was given the opportunity to no company car, you get a bus pass, you get a case and go door knocking. Yeah. So all these guys moan about cold calling today on the phone. I had to do it by knocking on a bloody door. Yeah. <laughs> so an office company. So, so I started that. I spent 20 years in Ericsson and, uh, that was in a really interesting time because, as we all know, telecoms changed dramatically. I rose up through the ranks, um, got into – I was very successful in sales um, as an individual performer. Yeah. Uh, got into management, not by choice, but the way they changed uh, commission schemes. And I always wanted to earn the most, and then they set it up so that management earned the most. <laughs> yep. So spent a long time there and, and a really, really great time, great fun. Um Selling in those days was there was so much fruit on the trees. You had to be pretty poor not to be, to do okay. Yeah, um, it's it's tougher today, I know. So um, and then when I was thirty seven, which also seems like a long time ago. Yeah, you know, gosh, I had a, I had a growl at just the thought of it. Um, <laughs> so I I decided to leave corporate life and do my first ever startup. Yep, and I was. I went and joined a bunch of guys, um, and we created a startup which was pretty significant in the way people people are today. So everybody takes for granted that they can uh, download an application to their mobile phone. Hmm. We were the pioneers of that back in in um, two thousand and one. Wow! Uh, we raised ten million pound from from the city, set up the company, went out and started selling application download before the likes of you. App Store and Google Play. Yep. You download it through your mobile operator. Um, that business got built up. That business got sold, bought by Qualcomm. A lot of people won't know Qualcomm, but they're the people who provide the chips in um, uh, iPhones, etc. Um, did a, a bunch of other things around startups. Did some consulting, uh, etc. Had a lot of fun. Um, and before I ended up where I am now, yeah, which is as the founder of a, a sales platform. So how did you go from, um, you know, you call yourself a dinosaur, but there's not that many dinosaurs that would start, you know, a, a technology company. So what, where, where did the motivation come from for you to start this, you know, to start Boxstep? Yeah, I mean, I saw tongue-in-cheek with the old dinosaur because I think <laughs> you're judged by certain people, dinosaur, because of your age. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone talks about millennials, um, um, exes, and I, I'm right at the back end of baby boomers. Now, <laughs> baby boomers, yeah. now, I don't know if you know, but I think that goes from like 1946 to 1964. Yep. Yep. So people judge you as dinosaur just because you're age, but my mentality is anything but that. You know, I'm, I always say if I'm a dinosaur, I'm a T-Rex. So, um, but it, it, it's one of those things where, I spent 20 years in EVP sales through a bunch of different uh, tech organizations. And I always sort of look at, and yes, everyone's got CRM and there'll be guys that are for it and guys that are against it. But I never really saw how it helped sales guys to sell. You know, yeah. the CRM, customer relationship management. It, I couldn't really get the relationship part. I could see how it aligned them with my needs, but mm. I didn't see how it aligned them with the needs of the prospects yeah, and selling was changing. So selling was changing from selling to a solitary decision maker who, who you'd go and 
you'd pitch, you'd propose and hopefully close, and they'd say, yep, made a decision, everyone else get on, to, get on with it, to what we see now is these really large buyer groups. So everything was changing. I didn't see how CRM fitted it. Yeah. Uh, I saw that sales performance is in decline, and I thought, okay, Kevin, stop moaning about what it doesn't do, and from your experience and knowledge, create something that will help B2B salespeople in complex or enterprise sales be more effective. Mm. That's interesting. And you just touched on something, right? Because I think for, for the salespeople out there that are chasing larger deals, you talk about the buying process has changed to some extent where there's more people involved in that decision-making you know, cycle. Help us understand the impact that you know, the move from, you know, one person making the decision to now, I think, what has Gartner reported at? It's around, is it seven people, they say, seven to eight people? It's, well, yeah, it's sort of, you can see, I mean, uh, some of these stats get a bit boring boring yeah. after you hear them all, but they're ingrained in my mind. So yeah. a few years ago, it was the average buyer team involved in the decision was 5.4. Yeah. A couple of years ago that after that, it was 6.8. Now they say the typical range is six to 10. But actually, the the... the the bigger the deal or the enterprise deal, you know, I've seen 14, 20, mm. you know, uh, don't get me wrong. Not everyone's a decision maker, yeah. but these are the, you know, some of these guys are the users that uh, they, they can scupper deals. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the, the biggest problem is, is that we see a huge increase in the number of no decision outcomes, which is our biggest competitor. Yeah, absolutely. And the more people involved, the greater the percentage chance of a no decision out, outcome. Mm. This is interesting, right? And, and is that, so, like I said, a lot of people be saying, what the hell is buyer enablement, right? You know, I'm a sales guy, sales professional that has, has I've been trying to master my craft for a number of years. And the last sort of three or four years, we're seeing all these new terms, you know, cadence, which is the, you know, the contact strategy reinvented, sales enablement, sales capability, sales operations. Um, now there's buyer enablement. Help us understand what what's the definition of buyer enablement? So buyer enablement, it's, it's, it's not an alternative to sales enablement. It's part yeah. of sales enablement. Okay. I think the problem with sales today, and, and, and there is problem, there's lots of problems in sales today. Um, if, there, if there wasn't, if it was a perfect world, something would be wrong. So, um, <laughs> but it, it's, we've seen performance in decline, and that's because too, too many salespeople are, are stereotypical salespeople. They're so focused on the selling, selling process, their yeah. selling methodology. It's all about them. Now, unfortunately, the, the boots on the other foot. Someone once said to me, um, who controls the selling? It's the buyer. And who controls the buying? It's the seller. And and actually, it sort of got me thinking, and that is the fact is, is that buyers now, they don't involve sellers as early in, in the process as they used to because they don't need them to provide the information. So yeah. much information is readily available. So they're controlling exactly the sequence of events of engagement and how much access you get to the buyer team and how much they listen to you. But when it comes to the buying, one of the biggest problems for no decision is that consensus isn't achieved yeah. or, or the, the, you know, the, there's not all everyone in the team is aligned, the buyer team. And think about it. Think, actually, think about it from a, if you've got at home, I don't know, let's say you've got um, your wife, uh, your mum and dad, a few kids, and you say, okay, what are we going to do today? Yeah. You know, trying to get a common decision in that environment is difficult enough. You imagine the environment where you're into corporate, where you've got all the politics and dynamics, where you've got six to 10 people. And when you try and sell to anyone, normally there's winners and losers internally. Whatever you do, there'll be some people for it, some people against it. 
And that's the problem. You've got these polar opposite forces fighting against each other. Hmm. And buyer enablement is all about how can you help them to make a decision? How can you help them to buy? So I always say now that one of the most important characteristics of any sales guy is an ability to help. Yeah. Now, that sounds counterintuitive to selling because selling is all about yourself. It's all about got to get the business, got to get numbers, got to get the commission. Yeah. You know, and actually, if you help someone to buy, those sort of numbers take care of themselves. But see, I want to ask you this, right, because I've, I've, I've actually um, I've contributed to a number of posts and, and conversation threads about this. And, and, and maybe I'm seeing it, seeing it a bit wrong, but, you know, from the day, one of my early books that I read was from a guy called Jim Cathcart, Relationship Selling. And then another one was Larry Wilson's book, you know, Wilson Learning Consultative Selling. And when I look back, and these are the concepts that have been around for, you know, decades. Um, and if we think of the true definition of selling, and this is just in my eyes and my opinion, the true definition of selling is I'm helping somebody achieve something better, right? Now, I know that the, 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 the stereotypical, the Jordan Belforts, the Wolf of Wall Street, the whole, you know, I'm going to convince the persuasion straight line sales process. Um, I don't actually put that into the same category as a sales professional. Like when we look at your solution about org mapping, um, actually spending time researching the opportunity and going, right, who do I need to talk to? Who's the influencer? Who's a potential assassin? What could block my deal? You know, um, what are the problems that we're solving? Like that's a professional, you know, role. That's not just someone that's going into a business and spraying and hoping so that they can get a conversion, right? Yeah, I, you know, it's it's an interesting one. You're absolutely right. I mean, I don't think that um, selling has changed so dramatically in its principles. Yeah. But the importance of those principles being executed correctly as, as, is far more paramount absolutely. today. So the whole idea of understand, you know, I, I use an expression and, and it's a bit damning. So, you know, but I say that most salespeople don't know what they need to know to be effective. And most sales leaders don't know that they don't know it. Yeah. Now, it's, so the big, the two words in there are don't know. Yeah. You know, everyone's got this principle. Yeah, I'm going to build a relationship. Can do that. But here's the problem. If we go back to that, that larger buyer team, the research that came out, I think it was Gartner did it, said that 80% of salespeople don't identify and engage with everybody on the buyer team. You know, we, we sort of get to a position, a lot of salespeople do, where they say, great, I've got this super-duper relationship with this really senior person. I've also got this relationship with this lieutenant. Right, I can sit back, cruise control. Here we go, keep feeding these people and we'll be fine. Wrong, wrong. That's the problem. Yeah, you know, absolutely, man. Normal. Because then they become your blocker. There, yeah, there'll be something else going yeah. on in parallel that someone else is trying to do with maybe support championing a different vendor or a different uh, – thought process of doing something differently. And that's the, the job of the sales professional today. You've got to go deeper and wider to understand what's going on because th these hurdles are going to crop up at any time. So Kevin, on that, right, just on, but just on that. So again, if I look back at, you know, one of the, I remember I was chasing, um, I was chasing a pretty large deal at the time. Um, this is maybe, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, right? And, and at the time, um, a couple of the deals that I had chased of significance had fell over, and uh, I didn't know why. I couldn't I couldn't diagnose what went wrong. I had a great relationship with the stakeholder, and it wasn't until I bought the book Strategic Selling by Miller Hyman that helped me become aware of the different buyers and the different influences within a 
within a, you know, I think they called it the situational appraisal summary. If I, man, I'm going back a bit, right? But again, they are some principles. They've been around for a long time, right? Yeah. I mean, there's still basic principles that still apply today. Everyone says that, I think, I, I can't remember, was it CB or the Gartner that came out and said that actually relationships are now much lower priority for buyers, but they're still there. They still have an impact. Absolutely. Because I think to myself, like if we look at, you know, this buyer, and I even look at it because I do a lot of work in the, you know, I coach a lot of people in the consumer sales game as well, right? So they're selling to consumers and enterprise and large enterprise. And if I look at it, the challenge that we have with enterprise and going, well, there's a committee sales process, it's actually the same in a, in a, in a um, consumer play because you've often got a, a husband and a wife that are making the decision together and the salesperson ignores that and expects that the person they've just given the information to, answered the questions, etc., are going to go and sell the solution to their partner. And then because they don't involve them in the process, you know, they don't actually, it becomes one of those no decisions. Um, the same issue that we faced in corporate, right, is that, and this is where I say, like, we we are missing some of the basics in order to have these conversations with both, it doesn't matter what type of sales, there's some basic fundamentals that as sales professionals, we must, we must get right because the rest is peripheral. Yeah. So let, let me just build on that because you, you raised some interesting areas there. And let's go back to the sort of fire enablement. Let's sort of just expand upon. Yep what I mean by that and what everyone else is talking about when they talk about buyer enablement. Buyer enablement is one of the the main elements of it is uh, the excessive amount of information that the yep. buyer group has to um, consume uh, and understand. So if you, we all know this. One of the things that every sales guy does, I know what I do, I'll send them this smorgasbord <laughs> of information and say, there you go, pick the bones out of that. Loads of information, everything I can think of, content, this, that, and the other. And two-thirds of it gets ignored, yeah. at least. Um, and why? Okay, because the person in the buyer team that you're sending it to, all they're focused on is the next step in their process that they're trying to work on. They've got a job or task at hand. And unless the information that you are providing them helps them achieve that job or task, then they're not going to look at it. So it's about giving the right information that helps that contact at the right time uh, um, be relevant for them. So, you know, it's not about saying, here's a big document, find some nuggets in that. Yeah. It's about saying, here's a piece of information that might help you. Here's a webinar. Here's some analyst paper that might help you do what you're doing at the moment. But buyer enablement also is about redirecting some of their thinking, you know, really trying to get them to sort of say, well, have you considered this? Um, here's some questions you may have, uh, have overlooked because what you need, if you've got somebody that you're working with closely, this is the, you know, the champion or, or main contact, they need your help to get it through internally. And, yeah. and, and you, the salesperson, have done this with lots of other people. So you say, well, Actually, to avoid those blockers that we mentioned earlier in the relationship, these are the other sorts of people you might want to involve early as possible. Mm. These are the sort of questions that you might be asked by them. These are the questions you might want to ask them. Um, everything that you can do to help them overcome the objections or the hurdles that you've seen yeah. other prospects face in previous engagements, that's what you've got to try and help them with. Okay. Because it's going to be the norm now. Yep, yep, absolutely. So what you're essentially doing is you're mitigating the risk of the sale getting stopped in some capacity by really widening the net of engagement with an organization. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and then, but focusing. But I, I always say, don't don't sell like it's a game of clones. Yeah. You know, don't sell to everybody in the same way. You know, don't treat everybody right. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Every, you know, we hear all about buyer personas. You've got to focus on what's important to that individual member of the buyer group because no matter where, whatever way you get, get look at it, you're, they're going to have their own mm. issues, concerns, challenges, KPIs, their own agenda. Yeah, yeah, now, absolutely. of course, they come together to work on the, the, the buyer group's agenda, but you don't ignore their emotions. Don't ignore what's important to that person. Mm. Understand them and then try and build your you – know, I say that selling's like building a jigsaw puzzle. Without all yeah. the pieces, you can't complete it. And each one of those people is a piece of jigsaw puzzle. It sounds yeah. overcomplicated, but selling is complicated today. But that's why we can get rewarded really well in our profession, right? We can make a significant amount of money and we don't need to have an education behind us. It's not like a doctor or a lawyer or anything like that where we've got to go to school for a number of years, do an internship. We can actually fall into this role without any you know, education and we can earn an absolute bomb load of money, right? So, and I say that in order to do that, the, the better... The, the deals that we can work on and craft, it's it's a skill. It's an actual profession to do what we do. Yeah, I, I, I've always looked at selling as a profession. Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't always see a lot of the people I see as being professional. Now, and it's not because they're not willing, and I'm not saying it to be offensive, but you know, to be to be professional at anything, there's a lot of hard work, yeah. there's a lot of training, there's a lot of researching. And all too often, salespeople, they just think that they put me in front of someone, let me speak to them, let me get on with the selling, stop with the rest. But no, <laughs> without the right skill sets, without the right plan and strategy and knowledge, you know, you're just, you're, you're trying to nail jelly to the ceiling when you're yeah. trying to, to, you know, do do your job without all that, that uh, professional effort behind you. Absolutely. Um, it, it frustrates me, Luigi, it really does. Oh, it does. And you know what? I love what the way Jeb Blunt, um, author of Fanatical Prospecting and you know, he's authored a number of books, he puts it as, as, as really simple and I love it. I use this term. That's the salesperson that shows up and throws up. Yeah. When yeah, they don't yeah. prepare, um, they haven't got, you know, they're actually just getting there and completely throwing up on a customer. And, um, you know, and that's where I say that that's the difference between you know, a professional and somebody who's just out there spraying and hoping. It's funny, really, because everyone tries to think that selling's about product or service differentiation. There was a time when it was. Yeah. And then there'll be a lot of sales guys go, oh, yeah, it's price and whatever. But anyway, so Gartner also says that 62% of buyers are more likely to spend money uh, when there's a, a, a better buying experience. Mm. So people that help them I mean, I hate the terminology buyer journey, but you know, the whole process of them understanding, problem solving, et cetera, and getting to the end decision. If you help them by focusing on 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 their them rather than this show up and throw up, yeah. the results are, are, are so much better. Uh, it, and this is the thing is people don't seem, you know, it seems counterintuitive when you think, you know, you've got to ask unbiased and, and uncontrived questions that really enables you to understand what they're trying to achieve rather than trying to ram your square peg into a round yeah. hole just because it suits you because they'll smell that a mile away. Um, and then once again, you'll be put in the bucket with every other typical sales guy. Yeah. So, you know, what I'm, what I'm hearing is that buyer enablement is about really understanding the state of play and knowing the stakeholders required within an opportunity that's going to help the deal progress through the pipeline. 
right? Um, in order to execute on a uh, on that strategy, there are some fundamental skills that a professional must have, and that is planning, preparation, knowing what questions to ask, um, having unbiased questions where they ask that'll provoke thought and stimulate ideas from the opportunity so that they can consider their options and that buyer enablement is it's it's a it's a way to manage the more complex sales to a point of decision so they don't get stuck in that you know never never land of no decision yeah it's a pretty good summary i mean i, I always look at selling it's uh, who and what you know and what you're going to do about it so really buyer enablement is all about helping them complete their buying process tasks yep. and, and trying to put some more thinking into what they're doing that try and help them make the decision however yeah. Before you get to that bar and without all that knowledge that you said, what I call the three Ps, the business problem, the buying process, if there is one, and the buyer group people, without fully understanding that, then how can you provide help and information yeah. to the right people at the right time and, and um, in, in, the, in the process? Okay. So, yeah, I, there's a lot more effort involved in selling today, Luigi. Yeah. And the guys that want to get from A to B in the shortest possible route, are going to be the guys that end up with more losses and more no decisions. Mm. The guys that follow the the sometimes more long-winded route that does involve research, does involve admin, um, you know, they're probably going to be the guys that sort of uh, have a, a greater mm. level of success. So, just on that point, right? Because it's a it's a bit of a, a paradigm shift for a lot of organisations, yeah. Because you've got, you know, in in executing, and I, and I I've had the I've had the pain and privilege of executing some larger sales cycle um, opportunities, you know, complex, multiple stakeholders within a parent company. And then underneath that parent company, there was about eight companies, divisional CEOs. And so there was actually complexities layered on complexities, right? And then there was procurement we had to get through as well. So it kind of added another dimension, right? Um, so I've been there. I've been there at the pointy, at the pointy end of, of, of a challenging long-term sales cycle. But what if you're a sales professional and you know that the road to success through buyer enablement is going to yield greater return, longer relationships, and essentially better partnerships, but your manager is focused on his quarterly target? Like, how can we execute one when we've got a business driver that is pushing us for short-term results? Yeah, so you, you you've hit on one there. That it is that must be a challenge for a lot yeah. of sales guys. You know, you've got a lot of guys out there that are willing, but they're dictated to absolutely by, by management who are stuck in the old ways and aren't necessarily embracing what needs to be done today. Um, so yeah, it's a difficult one because I had that. You know, back in when I was young, and I'm not that old, right? But I knew there was always a demand, and as a high performer, you know, I was proud to say I was one of the top performers in 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 most organisations that I worked at. And even though I was exceeding target, my boss still demanded more because he knew that, well, I've got some underperformers, so I can get more out of this guy and he can bring forward some deals. And I'd be like, but they're not at that point of decision yet. And yeah, sure, I can get something off the plate. But the problem is it's A, not good for them right now, and B, we're not gonna, it's not going to yield me greater return. And plus, I was always one that managed my pipeline really well, right? So there was always that, that conflict that internal conflict, and that's why when people say the old way of managing, but that's still occurring today. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as salespeople, you know, we are paid for, you know, our managers are the ones that are essentially, we're, we're there, yes, to serve the customer, but we're all also there to serve the business that we're employed to do a job, right? So there's there's that 
there's a bit of conflict. Yeah, do you know what? It's, it, it, you raised a really valid point, and, and it is a worry. Um, but the interesting, I deal with some really relatively new name, funky call companies. Yeah. And I look at how they work internally, and they've just bought sort of old, old school thinking into new modern call companies, and, and, it, and it's a worry. Um, but going back to your point about saying, you know, if your sales, if your sales leader's not on board, sod him. You know, fine. At the end of the day, most sales leaders are just going to focus on, okay, put your forecast in, do your numbers. They rarely, really dig deep enough. Yeah. To understand what's going on. So the fact, if you want to say, okay, look, um, I'm going to implement my own way of working here. And yeah, there's everyone talks about the prospecting, the, the discovery of the needs analysis. There's an element of that. But yeah. most buyer groups now, they know what that is before you, you, you even meet with them. They've got their defined needs. Yeah, on the rare occasions that we can create an opportunity from scratch, sure, you've got opportunity. But the reality is, is most of these people, it's help, help to navigate their own internal complexity. You know, one thing that's prevalent in every one of those deals is politics. Yeah. And politics exists that um, take understanding it and help navigate that. You know, so you as a sales guy, you don't have to get your sales leader on board and say, okay, um, I want to do this. What do you think? Because they'll tell you to go the old school route. Yeah. And even though the old school route won't work in most cases. So if you then go and say, right, what I'm going to try and do is I'm going to try and understand more about everybody involved, how all the dynamics work, what's important to each of them, you know, all the business problems. Do they have a defined buying process? Probably not. Yeah. So share some knowledge and wisdom that you have from other accounts with them. Um, but look to be that that guidance, that ad ad advisor yeah. to different people in the team to try and get that deal done because all of that is value. Everything yeah. you're doing to help them buy and make a decision is value. Not, Absolutely. It's rare to have anything unique to sell. It's rare to win the product or service differentiation. You know, the, the old adage that people buy from people then became people uh, buy from people they know and trust. Yeah. Um, but I actually think nowadays it's people buy from people that help them. Yeah. Um, because it, it's it's a comp selling is not as complex as buying. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're right. And you know, with the scrutiny on corporates, especially with where they're spending the money, how they're spending the money, and the fact that so many technology platforms that they're bringing in fail. You know, I can't. Oh, there's so many businesses that I, I I speak to that have just spent. You know considerable amount of coin implementing a CRM and they're like, well, the data's all incorrect. Or, you know, we, we have to get them to give us a spreadsheet. I've got one client now, you know, multi-billion dollar organization and they're submitting their forecast via spreadsheet. I'm like, well, wh wh why can't you extract that data from Salesforce? You know, oh, the data's inaccurate. So, wh wh you know, <laughs> that's what these yeah. platforms are designed for so that you can actually get some better, some more accuracy, some more, you know, better understanding of the forecast and where you as a leader can help your team members. But yet they're using spreadsheets to do this manually, right? It's just an interesting play. Do you know what? It, it, it's, a, it's a funny one, Luigi, that uh, one of the things I hear a lot when I, I see those sort of things and sales leaders will say, yeah, uh, um, it's not a priority for us to solve this or, you know, we're not ready for that sort of organized automated technology that makes our life easier. Yeah. You can see there's a 
bit of sarcasm in my tone there. Um, yeah, it amazes me that they think sales leaders, instead of saying, right, you know, they're, and I, look, I was a sales leader for a long time, as I mentioned, and it is a touch up. There's rare, it's a bit like being a premiership football manager. Yeah. You know, the season ends and all the players go on holiday, but the premiership football manager is still working, you know, really hard, looking next year, next team, things like that. It's the same with sales leader. There's a lot on their plate. Mm. And, and I would say, look, come up for air. Step back and think about what you're doing, what could you do better? And instead of just thinking, oh, well, I'm too focused on the numbers, we've got end of month, end of quarter, end of year, you know, step back and think about what you're doing that leads to that, lead to those numbers. Um, and I think, you know, those things like spreadsheets, God, they were great in their day, but now there's so much easier way to do it. Yeah, and getting the right data out of them will really help you um, with the insights that to make better decisions about how to lead the team, what to do, what to change. But do you know what? It, it, I, I hope that sales leaders start to, to look at things differently because, you know, the old adage about saying uh, definition of insanity is yep. keep, keep doing the same things and expecting different results. And that's what a lot of sales leaders that's, do. And that's what a lot of salespeople do as well, right? They make the same mistake. Yeah, absolutely. But we're having a pop at sales leaders and salespeople because <laughs> we're all guilty. And you and I are salespeople. Absolutely, we've man. Never led, yeah, we've, we've made these pop-ups. I can't tell you how many times, you know, I, I would I would get told like, you know, I read a book. I'm like, but I'm already doing that. And then I'm like, well, hang on a second. That's a, that's a that's a fixed mindset. You know what I mean? I preach every mistake I preach to people about is ones I've made myself. Yeah, I still do it right. I still do it right now. I, I still make those mistakes. I still, you know, go into calls a little bit underprepared, and then I'm like, man, I missed a great opportunity today because that one thoughtful question that if I had crafted and asked. I would have completely shifted the dynamic of that relationship because, and this is the thing that I love what you're talking about, whether you're using Boxstep, whether you're chasing accounts um, that are small, medium or large, that you're talking about, we've got to lead with insight. We've got to provide value. We've got to help. You can't do that unless you're prepared, unless you've actually given consideration and thought to the opportunity and gone, what, what type of content can I bring with me that's not features or benefits. And this is where marketing, I find marketing are getting it wrong. They're giving me stuff that talks about our company. And I'm like, my, yeah. our, our prospects, they don't care about our company. They only care no, about the problem that we can help them solve. That's why I love Keenan. Some of the stuff that Keenan says is bang on the money. Same with Anthony and Arino. It's how can we exchange value so they can give us a bit of time? And then through yeah. that, we're able yeah. to go through that exploration process and see if there's an opportunity, right? And so that's what I'm loving hearing what you're saying. It's no matter what strategy we implement is that, you know, what your buyer enablement and from what I'm learning is that we've got to bring, we've got to bring it in order to execute it. Otherwise, it's just going to be another one of those things that we do that doesn't get traction. Yeah, it, I mean, nobody likes change. Yeah. And selling needs a behavioral change. Um, selling needs to be less about the seller and more about the buyer. And that's why we use the term buyer-centric salespeople. People yeah. who are trying to walk a mile in the shoes of their buyers. These are the guys that are, are going to be the guys that stand the test of time. Because mm. selling's only going to get tougher. Absolutely, and we've seen man. every year the number of people failing to make quota is going up. And, you know, the doom and gloom merchants that give us all this research. Um, and, uh, you know, it's insightful, but it's also worrying. But it's only worrying if you do nothing Absolutely, with it. Man. If you just look at it and go, oh dear, and then carry on doing the same thing. I'll tell you why I'm getting pumped because I go, well, 
sure, it's um, you know, the data's telling us some really worrying signs. Eighty percent of the sales press got to be automated. You know, sixty percent of sales teams are, you know, forty percent of sales teams aren't hitting target. Blah 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 blah. And I'm going, well, you know what? There's never a better time for me as a sales professional. Like I said, when I needed to buy a book when I was seventeen years old. It was very difficult to get those sales books. Now I'm on a click of a button on Amazon. I've got it. I've got Audible. I can. I can. Yeah. I just listened to Sales Truth by Mike Weinberg. I bought it last week. I'm done. It's fantastic, right? I couldn't do that ten years ago. And how am I a better sales professional for it? Like listening to the Sales Evangelist podcast by Donald C. Kelly. There's a thousand episodes there that I can dive into, listen to any type of challenge that I have, and I've got instant access to content. Right, so this is where us. This is where I say what our, our profession is going to get separated over the next couple of years of people that are looking for that quick win, that are not a professional, and the ones that are professionals, and we are going to be the ones that command the you know the best incomes in our industries, and we're going to be hunted. People will hunt us because they're like these guys are true automakers, right? They've got. Well, there's never a recession for good salespeople. Absolutely, man. You know, this is what I love about these concepts. And this is what I love about the challenge about people saying, you know, sales is changing. Oh, you know what? It's changing for the better because the ones that invest in themselves are the ones that are going to be, you know, they're going to excel and they're going to go to another level. So sorry, man. I get really pumped up about this because this is such a, a topic that I'm passionate about, you know, and um, and I really no, want to- Look, you know what I'm saying? Enthusiasm is infectious, which is why I always sort of say to people when you're selling, if you're not enthusiastic about what you're selling, why should your prospect be? Yeah, absolutely, man. you got to show the passion, right? I'm going to believe in totally. my product. So that's awesome, man. So I want to ask you a question. In your career, what's been the biggest influence and why? Oh, blimey, I didn't see, uh, influence, influence, yeah, influence. Somebody that's um, really had an impact on you that's helped shape the sales profession you are today. Gosh, uh, it, it's, oh, it's a strange one, really, because it's not really about selling. You know, I, I, uh, if I look back to, to my early sales days, um, I was what you call a charismatic maverick. What that meant was that I just went along winging it because relationships was all important. You know, today, one of the most important things today is about subject matter and domain expertise. Yeah. Sales guys have to have that. Didn't have to have that before. And then I, I read a book and this, this, mm, it's one of those, uh, Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. I'm a big golfer and yep. uh, Tiger Woods, don't get me wrong, isn't my favorite golfer, but you look at how much he dominated. And I read this book about everything he did with preparation. And if he's got, a, let's say, for instance, he's in a competition um, and a tournament and he's, he's got an 8 o'clock tea time, his preparation is no different than if he'd have a, a 12 o'clock tea time because he will get up and start his preparation four hours beforehand. Yeah. So if he's got eight o'clock, he'll be up at four o'clock in the morning, going through his limbering up, his mindset, his eating the right food, the the, the routine with golf. So everything was this huge preparation before he executed. Yeah. And so you know, I grew up in the art of selling, where you could be this charismatic person, and oh, he's a lovely guy, he's popular. You know, he's he's a laugh, he's fun. To the art and science. Science is as much about in selling now as the art. Yep. And looking at that preparation was a big influence for me. So I changed okay. from being the the wing it maverick to being a really well organized, prepared, highly researched salesperson. Yeah, that's an so insane answer. I, man. Hopefully, 
it, that's 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 my art. I'd say yeah. Tiger Woods, although he's not renowned for his selling, it was his approach to preparation for his profession yeah. that influenced me. Oh, that's awesome, man. It's interesting you say that because I'm not sure a lot of stories about my own sales career, but you know it was one of the biggest deals I was working on. I worked on it for twelve months, and um, and what had what had gone wrong was my lack of preparation for a highly detailed. If we look at the disc, a highly conscientious buyer, and me being the complete opposite. Um, you know, a high eye, um, big picture. We clashed, and we clashed the the behaviour that you know the backup tension that that got involved in the sales process was not because of him it was because of my lack of preparation it was because mm. i didn't understand what he needed and it was at that point where i oh, first i went for a bit of a blame oh this dickhead you know it's all about him blah 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 but then i had to actually go well hang on a second that's a result of my lack of preparation my lack of understanding yeah. of who i'm dealing with and it was a realization that it took me a while but once i made it then i encouraged people like that to get involved in my sales process and in, into, the, into the journey. Why? Because I knew that they'll either block, <laughs> you know, or they could help remove barriers. Yeah. So I really appreciate you sharing that with what me. What makes sales complex? It's people. Yeah, absolutely. So your man. ability to manage people, help people, understand people, influence people, you know, people's skills are still important, but without the relevant knowledge, you can't just wing it like we used to in the old yeah. days. Absolutely. Because you know, I say this all the time, like we have Google at our disposal, like we have the best encyclopedia, we can find information quickly. And so, you know, if somebody does question and go, well, I'm not 100% sure this guy's on, the, on, you know, really on the money here and he's telling me what, I, you know, he's giving me the true facts. If they do their research and find other, we're stuffed, right? And this is why we have to, we have to be really diligent and careful in the information that we, we, we offer. So, Matt, I really appreciate um, your time with us and sharing, you know, we've been going back and forth, we've got passionate, but for the listeners that want to engage further with you, learn a bit more about you, look into Boxstep, where can they find more about you? Uh, so, yeah, the usual uh, via the web, Boxstep is B-O-X-X-S-T-E-P.com. Yeah. Um, or you're more than welcome to reach out and connect to me uh, on LinkedIn, Kevin Dixon, that's D-I-X-O-N. Um, or just email me, Kevin at boxdep.com. Right. I, I, I'm more than happy. Even if you just want some advice about certain things within in this, I, you know, I'm a great networker, even if there's nothing in it for me. Ah, awesome, man. Well, look, we really appreciate it. We'll put that in the show notes so people can connect with you. And we want to thank you very much for being a guest on the Sales IQ podcast. It's been, it's been a blast, mate. Thanks, mate. Bang! Kevin brought it, and did he bring it? And he brought it, and he brought it well. What did I like about that episode? I like the fact that Kevin talks about sales enablement and makes the concept really simple to understand. You know, a lot of people are really struggling with that term sales enablement, and we're hearing it more and more, and we are going to hear about it more and more because you know, enterprise and and companies are looking for ways to make it easier for the buyer to go through the buying process. What I liked about Kevin is that he is just not someone that has come up with a strategy or that talks about you know a particular process. He's a gentleman that's executed it time and time again over a number of years. He's a practitioner and it's and it's inspired him to take action to build something to help sellers be more effective. So my challenge to you this week is what are you doing 
to be more effective in your role? What are you doing to help buyers through the process? And what are you doing to be the best sales professional you can be?